yes, it's that wonderful time of year, the Christmas holiday. And what better person to have on than Dr. Robin Espinosa? Oh my goodness, oh my, the holiday season where things are slower and the joy of everything is here, but coronavirus is still up your ass. <laughs> this is Profane Faith, y'all, come on. It's a hard time for being white, being American, and being in control. I did more for our black population than anybody other than Abraham Lincoln, okay? And nobody's even close. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. It's our God, Jesus Christ, who's turned the tables on you. Amen. Victory. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. The Lord says it is done. I bet he can't wait to go home and become a black man again. This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. We won't be trying to answer difficult questions. Rather, we'll be engaging them and asking better ones regarding faith, race, gender, and religion. I'm your host, Daniel White Hodge. Heidi ho, Heidi ho, folks. How y'all doing out there? Um, once again, I'm, I'm a little late. I'm a little late. I apologize. I apologize. I know it's, um, I don't know what's going on this year with me, man. I, I do. I apologize to my audience. Usually I would re- uh, record, well, I, I would edit over the weekend and have something out by, you know, I used to, when I was on top of my game, I'd have stuff out on Sunday, but here it is Tuesday and stuff is just getting out. So I apologize to the audience. I, I would, I will do better, do better at uh, the new year, right? That should be a new year's resolution. Get your podcast out on time, bruh, bruh. That was the one golden rule that uh, I was told uh, by my good friend JR was like, no matter what you format, no matter what you do, just be consistent in uh, releasing episodes. So that's on me. That's on me. This one's on me. Um, hopefully y'all doing good out there in podcast land. Uh, this is the the Christmas week. If you're listening to this in real time, uh, 2020, the year that seems to just keep moving and going. Um, it, you know, we're here. We're we're right here and on uh, Christmas time and. Or the holiday season, however you want to see it. Uh, this is an interesting season because this can be a very depressing time. Um, uh, I, yeah, this is an interesting season for myself as well. Just, you know, and de- trying to deal with family and trying to deal with, um, uh, n- not even just family, but just the, the history of that, right? The the imprint of what has been. Uh, the holidays bring up all of the societal tropes, right? What your family should be, what you should be doing, uh, how you should be doing it, right? I don't know if y'all have caught that Walmart commercial, but there's one on, right, you know, where all this family is coming together. And let's refocus on what's important. And, uh, of course, Emily, my partner, was like, uh, yeah, let's focus on re- refocus on what's important to buy, right? <laughs> to go and purchase more stuff. Oh, man. So it's interesting just the holiday season in general, right? Because it's like there's this strong push on consumerism, 
buying shit and um yeah just uh oh my gosh it 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 reminds me a lot of just uh you know how all of us I'm, I'm including myself in this you know is this how consumeristic we all are right um one of the things that that, that comes up for folks who've either been out of the country for a long time or have never been to the u.s is just the sheer of overwhelming sensation of choice the amount of of things that we have you know choice to do or just the sheer amount of just stuff um you know i still think about uh, my good friend dr Craig Deckweiler and, and mentor, uh, you know, he said, you know, like the biggest, one of the biggest landowners in California uh, um, are um, uh, storage facilities, right? Uh, you know, it's like that is, you know, we just have more and more stuff, I, you know, and, and I think about it because I remember when I was in grad school, we were, you know, in campus housing and their campus housing was like, you know, turn of the century type housing. And so the, if you've ever been in a house that's almost a hundred years old, which even like my house here at, you know, where I, where I currently live, where our house is 98, about to be 99 years old, uh, next year. It uh, was born in, uh, born in actually it's 97, excuse me. It was uh, made in 1923 and, uh, the closets, they're just completely small right they're just this barely uh, a, a sliver of anything and you know just think about the consumption rates of what we take in and you know um and what that and that's a conviction for myself i'm not just trying to point out like kardashians or uh you know people with excessive amounts of money uh i'm genuinely trying to look at myself when is enough enough you know, do I really need that extra drill? Do I really need that, that other, uh, whatever goggles, pants? Um, although come to speak of it, I have not bought any clothing. I don't, I don't think this entire year, uh, Emily can correct me if she's listening. Uh, but I don't think I've bought anything. Um, I think stuff was bought for me. I think in the earlier part of the year, we bought uh, hoodies because uh, I've pretty much been in sweats and pajamas for the almost the entire year. Uh, other than, of course, you know, the summer when I was wearing uh, my shorts. Uh, but yeah, it, it, yeah, it's just again, it's just an interesting time um, with that. And again, going back to the societal tropes of what's thrown upon us, right? How family's supposed to be, how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to be um all cheery and all this i mean all those things bring up depression they just simply do it's always a mixed bag for me um around this time because it's like well uh you know because i've shared with y'all before on the show that you know growing up we used to uh, my mom and i used to make the the yearly trek out to texas to go and visit my grandmother and that was a you know uh, a huge trip and just you know something that we both look forward to and so a lot of those societal tropes were met with that right we're going home to see family i'm going back to you know the origins of you know of of, of my family right and so while that was working it was cool and at the same time during that time you know i theologically i was you know very pretty simplistic right it just a and b matched up it was pretty black and white um whereas now it's it's not it's not that case anymore so here we find ourselves right especially those of us who ex-evangelicals trying to figure out just faith in general uh you know hearty listeners of this podcast right like we're genuinely trying to figure out uh, what do the holidays look like? Um, 
you know, now. Uh, how do we look at that? Because, you know, I'll be honest. I ain't going to front. I get tired of the same old Jesus stories around this time. I'm just like, God damn. Like, really? We 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 going to we go we're we gonna hear the same story again it's like okay manger yes and and i love all the 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 the, the inter-ethnic uh pictures right of mary and jesus right an immigrant a refugee uh, you know a brown brown people i love all that don't get me wrong but i'm just like I, i've heard this story a thousand times like here we go again yes jesus is the reason for the season ah oh, jeez so and i've never really been a big you know like liturgy type kind of cat to begin with um so uh, you know advent okay you know and I, and I get that i'm not knocking it if that's what you do that's what you do i'm just i'm just saying for me um i it's just i it, i just don't get into all that stuff and so um you know maybe i should right maybe you should, there should be some stuff there but i don't know i think in my own processing of my own faith during the holidays it's it's I'm still trying to figure out like what does that what does that mean? I and, and and ultimately what does that mean, you know, with with a daughter? I mean, I, I still have the the nervous twitch that, you know, is is my daughter is, is is she is she lost? Is she is she not saved? Right? I mean, there's still that nervousness. And the 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 social, right? The social the social imagination of what your your kids should be, right? Especially um in the Christian world, right? It's like your kids should be this and they should be that and they should, you know, respect the parents this way and, you know, and don't don't allow them to do this. So, you know, there's there are all those things uh, that pop up and, uh, you know, and especially with, you know, it, it's just us. It's three of us in this in this family. So we don't have a huge family, right? We don't have eight kids. We don't have, you know, other aunts and uncles. And so that also it's right. It's just another reminder. So, again, the holidays, man, it's. There's a reason why the suicide rate is is, is high uh, during this time. Al, you know, drinking is high. Uh, alcoholism, right? Drug use is you know high during this time because it is. It's a rough time, right? And facing that, you know, uh, and uh, you know those 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 aren't always pleasant memories. Uh, and for some people, it is. You know, for like I said, for a long time when everything was working, it was working. Going home, theology was making sense. It's like, oh, this is great. We've been doing this forever. Like, well, no, not really. So um, here we are, right? Another another Christmas season in, in a year that just seems like, woo. Um, although, you know, <laughs> the new strain or something like was that UK has a new strain. I'm just like, okay, here we go. So we'll see what 2021 brings um, with that. So I don't know. Hopefully y'all are doing well. Um, hopefully y'all are hanging in there. Um, like I said, it's, uh, it's an interesting time of the year. Um, just to, you know, to, to be, it's hard. It's difficult for me, um, to just be like, Oh, let's just hope this season and the, the season of miracles. I, 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 that's just not me. That's just not me. And again, I'll put that on myself. That's not the gospel truth. I'm not trying to tell you what to think or how to think it's, it's, it's just me. I am just not that type of person around this time. And I think, you know, the, the, the older I get, you know, the more I'm just kind of like, oh, all right, can we can we get a different take on the, you know, on the holiday season and the Jesus story? And, the, you know, can we can we talk about the the three sorcerers that showed up? Right. You know, to Jesus. Can we talk about that as opposed to, you know, trying to make it nice and, and calling them wise men? You know, can we talk about that? Can we can we can we talk about the, the amount of people, the amount of babies that had to die? Right. For the savior to come in. Uh, to the world, uh, right? I mean, can, can we talk? Can we talk about something different 
than the same old damn story over and over and over again. And so, um, those are some of the things, right, that I that I yearn for, and uh, you know, I would I would love to see. So, um, you know, those are just things. But that's that's why I got a podcast, right? We get, we get to talk about those things. And oh my goodness, this week's guest. Oh, I've probably taken too long just uh, jammering on about Dr. Robin Espinosa. They're amazing. They just they 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 are my positivity muse. So uh, I was excited to get them back on the show. Uh, the work they're doing is amazing, and I will say, you know, publicly, uh, Dr. Robin was one of the first people to really help me better understand just my, my own, you know, cis heteronormativity. Uh, and I appreciate that about them that they are. They are one of the teachers and educators and someone who is the glue, right? That's trying to hold these, some of these things together, some of these tensions together. And so I just appreciate who they are, what they do, and just their being, their life force uh, is, uh, is, is just, it's bright. And the only, the only problem with our relationship is that they live too damn far or that I live too damn far from them. So uh, I'm, yeah, I, I just really appreciate them and, and what they're doing. So I was like, I got to get them back on. Cause it was like season one when I had Dr. Robin on. So I was like, okay, let's bring them back. Um, so of course, if you're listening, uh, you can go to the show notes. If the, you know, if you're a new listener, uh, I, you can go to whitehodgepodcast.com, uh, look up profane faith and, uh, there you will find the show notes and you can click on the other episode when I had Dr. Robin on, which was another great conversation and whatnot. So I'm glad to be airing this this week. And again, I promise I'm going to get my stuff together uh, and we're going we gonna, uh, we gonna to get it together. We're going to get it together. We're going to get these uh, episodes out on time. I got some good stuff being recorded uh, now. My um, good friend JR was just on the show. I got another young brother uh, who's telling a story about leaving a, a very... Um, very fundamental Latinx church in Southern California. We about to start talking. Uh, 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 Dr. Ebony Marsh Thurman is going to be on soon. So it's coming, folks. Oh, gird your loins. Gird your loins. Well, for those of you who don't know, uh, Dr. Robin's work focuses on connecting the dots between theory and action, helping folks within the dominant culture and white passing folks who are ready to confront their socialization to identify the ways they have been conscripted into supremacy culture by leaning into connection and relationship and by composting composting existing hierarchies into the kind of transformed culture we long to see emerge and this is one of the things that i love about dr robin they have a book activist theology if you haven't read it uh, again the links are in the uh, uh in the show notes uh, of the show um they, they they identify themselves as a trans queer activist, Latinx scholar, public theologian, um, and uh, again, this is the just something that I have appreciated about the work that they do and how important teachers are in a time where there's such ignorance around human sexuality as it relates to religion, faith, right? As it relates to you know being trying to be connected to something larger than us. Um, and so I have appreciated about what they do and how they do it. So without any further ado, I hope you have a great holiday season, no matter what you're doing, even if you're just alone and Netflixing it all out. Hope you have a great holiday season. Take care of yourself. Promise to get these episodes out on time. Enjoy this conversation with Dr. Robin and I. 
No, I'm ready. All right, Doc. Well, thanks for uh, coming back on the show. It's great to great to have you and just all your wisdom and knowledge back on. Oh, I love talking with you, Dan. It's good to be here. Yeah, Robin, I have appreciated you and your work and just, man, just your presence. I, I will say, I was just thinking about uh, our conversation today and I was like, you know what I like about Robin is that they, you're like my, you're like my positivity muse. I'm like, and it's not <laughs> like you're flowery and like, you know, let's blow sunshine around. But it's like you are and I it's it's like, OK, let me. So there's a sense of grounding. So I've appreciated that about you mm. and your your posts and whatnot. What what keeps you motivated like that, man? What keeps you going on a day to day with all the crap that we got going on? Well, there's a lot happening and I am coming to you from a land that is called Nashville, Tennessee. OK. And it is, and it is very bad here um, in terms of coronavirus. Okay. And and COVID nineteen, and and I just have to be honest with you that I'm freaked out. Hmm. I, um, you know, I'm scared of contracting the virus. We are doing everything possible to. Um, follow precautions and we listen to scientists and we listen to Dr. Fauci. Yeah. Yeah. And in the midst of, you know, it's been since March and in the midst of maintaining a public presence, it, that presence is now riddled with fear because I've never lived through anything like this. And so I I say that because, you know, you have a lot of public figures who, who actually don't tell the truths about themselves, Hmm. who, who tell the truths about other things that are happening, but never tell the the, the truest truths of themselves. And so I want to start by saying I'm scared and you know, the National Guard has been called in to Tennessee. Oh, wow. To hospitals. Wow. To, to, because our governor doesn't believe in a state mandated mask mandate. Wow. Um, and, and so this is all going on in me as, as I am continuing to build the work and continuing to, you know, try to provide, like you say, a grounding presence in the public square. Um, and, and so my, while I have fear and it's existential dread, it's, it's, um, a real concern for our human community. You know, I still believe that we can build a better world. Hmm. Um, and so I say I say it that way because, you know, if we don't have, um, if we don't have a vision toward what we want to build, I don't know how we can be present with our fear and trembling in the now. Yeah. And I think that these past ten months or so, and and you know, for your listeners. Nashville was hit with a pretty severe tornado. I had friends 
killed in the tornado and then oh, two man. weeks later the pa- the pandemic hit and so nashville has really been riddled this year wow and and you know nashville used to be known as the it city and so who knows what it will be now um but you know as a theologian and ethicist the question that i have for people is what kind of world do we want to inhabit? Hmm. Not just what kind of world do we want to build, but what kind of world do we want to inhabit? And in the midst of my fear and trembling, and in the midst for my, um, in the midst of my vision for a different world, that question keeps me buoyed. What hmm. kind of world? What kind of world do we want to inhabit? Yeah. That's a question that I'm that I ask a lot um, of myself, of the family, uh, my daughter, um, you know, where we're going, just (laughs) both existentially and societally. You know, I think about that. And um, yeah, I I wonder about that, given, you know, because it's it's easy. I mean, I think and this is where I'm trying to wrestle with my own faith. And, and this is why, I, like I said, I just I was like, OK, I, I, I need to have a conversation with with, with the good doctor because, uh, yeah. you know, faith. I think one of the, the this is what I said uh, a couple weeks ago. I can't remember who it was I talking about. You know, once you once you're educated, it's 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 dang near impossible to undo that unless you are just able to just internalize some kind of switch. I don't even know. But it's like, you know, once you know something, it's it's there. It's the curse and the blessing. And so. I've struggled with, well, both all, all of our family, we've struggled with finding a faith community that I don't want to say fits our criteria, but, you know, is inclusive with LGBTQ fam, right? As it right. is racially and ethnically not going to be giving us, you know, problems for an interracial marriage or just, you know, asking questions like, well, why do you mean privilege? I mean, so... You know, and then is is also, you know, engaged in kind of a theological rigor. And so I don't know. I we have not found that um, you get one or the other. And and that's yeah. about at least for, for where I'm at. I'll speak from where I'm at. So how are you how are you maintaining wrestling with a faith and all of this? I know that. And I'm and I know I'm that's a that's more of an evangelical term. But I even you can you can posit it however you want. Religion, theology, you know. How do you connect to the supernatural and beyond looking at what you're asking about a better, a better way, a better society? Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, I, I guess I just want to echo. I mean, I, I I would love to have a conversation with you on reclaiming evangelical because Hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. Well, I feel with this recent, um, denouncement by Southern Baptist seminaries denouncing critical race theory. I feel like um, there's a lot of work to be done. And and why do they get to claim evangelical? You know, why why can't other people claim evangelical? It's not a monolith. But that's a that's a that's a different story, um, <laughs> or or a different conversation. You know, when I when I think about connecting with God, connecting with the divine, you know, for for those of us who like 
thinking or like the intellectual project or um, like rational thought, thinking about God or the divine is not something that we do very often maybe or or we've decided to think our way outside of faith. Okay. And 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 I I like to think that that God is in all things. Hmm. And 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 when I when I choose the eminence of God, you know, we are in advent and so we are in this present moment of waiting for um the birth of Jesus as the myth tells itself. But when we position ourselves in a place of being in relationship with God, in relationship with all that it is, I think that what we do is we, 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 we bypass the transcendence of God in favor for the eminence of God. And what I mean by that is at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is narrative, mm. the story. And if the story that we're telling ourselves is that God is with us, that God is here among us, that God really is Emmanuel, God is not then some old white old man up in the sky you know, doing his puppet ma- mastery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I and I think that when we when we spend a little bit more time with with what is here now, even even with what is transpiring on these airwaves right now, can we look for the mystery of God in the now? Hmm. Now, I, I like like many philosophers and theologians. At the end of the day, I don't know if there is a God. I I can't tell you through scientific evidence whether God, how we have manufactured God, exists. But what I can tell you. Mm-hmm is that this story of a brown Palestinian Jew who sought to reform Judaism, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful, which is a beautiful religion. Yeah. Yeah. Has given birth to social practices that I believe will steward a better world. That to me is lived religion. That to me is living in the presence of God that to me is what keeps me going every day. Wow. I like that. That's that's good. And see, that's what I'm talking about. It's like that it's it's because I think with like you said, the manufacturing of religion and what we've been given. And when I say we is like when people think of Christianity, it's usually very one dimensional. It It is right. You know, it's like talk a certain way, act a certain way. Don't. And it's like, sure, there's some components to that, but it's like it, the, the emphasis goes back onto behavior. Um, you know, I when I when I was allowed to teach like intro to theology courses and in and, and, and material like that, you know, uh, 
students would always, you know, the young students would always be like, wait a minute. I didn't think Christians were supposed to talk like that. And we weren't supposed to ask questions like that. And it's so, you know, so there's that one dimensional aspect of Christianity. And you're right. I mean, that I, I haven't given much thought to the reclaiming of, of evangelicalism. I think, and I know my good friend, uh, Lisa Sharon Harper talks a lot about this and, you know, her and I will go back and forth about, you know, what that means. I think in this era, you're right. And I like that explanation. It's like, you know, they're right they're, they're, they're The scientific, <laughs> you know, prowess of, of understanding a God out there. I think that's where for me, astrophysics and quantum theory, particularly string theory, you start thinking about, you know, manifesting of different dimensions and, you know, connection with yeah. entanglement, um, you know, begins to make sense for me. And again, yes. I think part, a large part of it is just us trying to make sense of, of what's in front of us. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let me let me ask this then. I mean, uh, you know, we just had an election, um, <laughs> you know, uh, a very uh, uh, an election that seems to still be carrying on. I mean, I know Georgia is still dealing with at least at the time we're co- recording this. There were there's still, um, you know, they have a runoff coming up. I think it's here in January. Correct. I think it's something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we just had a good gen, you know, we, and we have a, you know, a quote unquote president that is yet to concede. He's still saying he's won. Um, Along with that, and, you know, and then and particularly, uh, I just started listening to a podcast of a young Latinx brother who's talking about how he's leaving this Latinx Pentecostal church. What do you make of the rise and increase of particularly Latinx folks who voted for Trump and continue to kind of put out a this has been a, a contention and I will speak on my own family on the Mexican side, uh, you know, this religious kind of a rod that's been in there, like, oh, you're not a yeah. going back to that one dimensional Christianity. How have you navigated, nuanced some of those things? What do you make of Latinx folks, you know, wanting to <laughs> vote more in, in favor of Trump? I mean, what, what is what is how do you make sense of that? Well, you know, it's it's interesting because the the, the narrative that is coming out of the Republican Party is that Democrats are socialists. Yeah. And, and, you know, what I think what people don't realize is that, you know, this country does have socialist policies. Um, there are programs to help the poor. There are programs to help the underemployed. Um, the government does give money to people. Hmm. And, and that is a socialist policy, but but the Democrats and and you know the socialist policy was arrived at a bipartisan agreement. You know this is this is not just one sided. But to say that the Democrats are socialist is is actually to undermine the the manner in which. Democrats and other people are are trying to steward a kind of cultural body that is healthy and whole. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's unfortunate that the GOP, the Republican Party, capitalizes on things like Biden as a socialist. He's yeah. he's as far he's as far from a socialist as my computer that I'm sitting in front of, you know, um, 
you know, I, I, but I, but I understand, I understand why they are using that tactic because many Latin American people, Latinx people who have migrated to this country have fled, um, largely U.S. backed socialist enterprises. Hmm. Um, and, and, and have landed in this country. Um, now is socialism bad? Well, any, any, anything with an abuse of power can be toxic and bad, but is Mm. socialism at its core bad? Well, no, it's, (laughs) it's, it's, it's when we, it's when we actually infuse power and, and toxic behavior when a thing goes bad, just like, just like this country's democracy. Yeah. This, this country's democracy right now is, is not well. And what the Republican Party has done is convince Latinx people and have peddled a fear narrative to try to convince people that, that Democrats are socialists. And, you know, I, I don't think either party has the answer, quite honestly. Um, I think that I, I knew that if Biden were elected, we would we would be protesting Biden. And I think that is still true. Uh, Biden is not going to steward equity and justice in a way that I think this country needs it. Um, Biden is going to fortify, I believe, police departments <laughs> instead of instead of doing the kind of work that needs to be done to be more attentive to community policing. Um, mm. These aren't socialist agendas. These are just these are agendas that are that are that that I'm trying to see come through that will keep people alive and that will that will um, dismantle what ha- what happened during the Reagan and Bush years because we we are living d- during a time where we are seeing the the lived consequences of the Reagan and Bush years and I think people forget that yes. you know people yes. people don't have a People don't have a historical memory of what happened during the Reagan and Bush years. Why have so many of our government um, offices closed or facilities like those for um, who need mental health help? That th- those those hospitals were closed during the Reagan years. That, and so yes, yes, you know we we need to wrestle with the fact that. It seems to me the Republican Party does not want to steward community care. Hmm. And and the Democrats are desperately trying to steward community care. Um, now, will they achieve that in four years? No. They, they may make incremental change, but I'm still trying to get prisons closed, you know? Um, <laughs> right, right. That, this so, is, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I just, I just want to say that that this may this may sound far from the conversation about Latinx people, but I think it's related because if we if we just 
try to steward connection with one community as the GOP party is doing. Um, I think that it, it will be a miserable failure. And, you know, we've got to figure out how to be with our differences, our cultural differences, our political differences, instead of accumulating wealth Hmm. and accumulating land at the expense of black and brown bodies. Um, So. Ooh, mercy. I am. Okay. So that's, that's, that's big. I, um, yeah, I've been thinking about that. What does that look like? Right. I mean, and you're right. There is no institutional memory. I mean, it's, it's, it's even part of the frustration having a daughter gone through, you know, the public school system here um, where I live. And, you know, slavery is looked at briefly, a paragraph, maybe two. Right. Um, right. And my daughter even has a, a you know, a, prof- a teacher now that is talking about how, you know, the revised edition of that where you know, Africans came to this country seeking a better life and went to work in Southern plantations and stuff. And so it's like, oh, I'm like, hold up, hold up. So they're definitely not going to understand what neoliberalism looks like and, you know, how capitalism was developed. And like you said, the accumulation, how what what the destruction of the Reagan Bush era did. Um, and that for me is, is always just, it's, it's frustrating because I know eventually, you know, that, that mind will end up in, in a classroom sitting in front of me, looking at me like, why are you telling me this socialist history of, of, of America? <laughs> so, right. Well, how do you, how do you, when you think about this, Robin, how do you imagine then what the, what the future will look like? I, I've mentioned like, you know, even in the next 10 years, uh, you know, what, what it looks like, living i mean i i you know one of the classes i love teaching um is uh family and and friends in the social media era in fact i got to get you to come and and guest lecture in there and oh sure uh, yeah we'll uh, we'll hook you up um but uh you know so we talk a lot about ai you know and just uh i i show them a couple of documentaries on you know the advancements of crispr and how people can you know basically mess with the DNA genome at home. You can buy these all these kits and students. Students are always just like, I, I can't believe that's going on. And so, you know, we'll watch a film like her, right, where this guy falls in love with his, his operating system. And then, you know, we'll look at how that stuff is happening in real life. And so um, with the advancement of technology and whatnot, how do you see what a what a better world looks like? I'm I'm curious. And I'm again, I'm genuinely asking because I'm 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 here learning myself well you know we are living in a very advanced and complex world Mm -hmm. and people even those who are who are engineering this complexity are unable to understand this world Mm. and and i think that because of hyper individualism, which is really supported and promulgated and accelerated by capitalism, 
because of hyper individualism, we are unable to steward community in the same ways. Just look at the ways in which church has pivoted hmm. during the time of coronavirus. Hmm. This is deep. Okay, come on. So we we now are connecting with with people and communities in a two-dimensional way and using technology to do that. But are we actually stewarding the kind of relationality that will help us survive this complexity? That's my question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I always use a phrase, in conjunto, somos en conjunto, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we are, we can we be together in this? And, and that's really, um, that's really my question to the engineering of this complex society is how do we actually steward togetherness? Because just meeting online and chatting with people is not stewarding a relationality of togetherness. Yeah. Yeah. In cojutos. I like that. Uh, sorry, were you were you going to say something else? No, I just, I mean, I don't know if that answers your question, but it's like my question to your question of how do we actually steward togetherness in this time? Yeah. Yeah. What I, oh, man, there's so much there. Um, and I think that is right. I mean, we're seeing and I've, I've 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 talked about this, you know, over the last month or so. It's like, you know, we're seeing the we're seeing the what what it looks like when social constructs that we thought were immovable are now being just, you know, thrown all over the place, right? It's like we can push the tax mm-hmm. date back. We can lower emissions in certain states, right? We we can see that we can, you know, we don't have to have every single meeting in person. We can do a lot of this stuff online. So what does that mean to be together? I think, and especially now that people are starting to look towards, okay, what does the future look like with COVID? I mean, I've never faced any of this stuff either. I mean, my, you know, my grandmother was born the year the of, of the pandemic flu, right? 1918. And God rest her soul, you know, she passed in 2009. I mean, so she, she didn't even see any of this stuff in her lifetime. So yeah. I, what does it look like? And especially when you think about the vaccine, I'm curious. I mean, again, cause you, you, you got, you got the, the, you got some great insight. I just be curious, like, you know, for our listeners, man, some, some of you, I've been following some of this vaccine stuff. What are your thoughts on that? Because I think that is also contingent on us, quote unquote, getting back together. Like I like the, the, in, the online stuff, but for me, I'm an extrovert. Right. Um, you know, Enneagram four. So I like the creative. I like being in front of in in, 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 in not necessarily a lot of people, but being in contact with who I considered fam. Like just being yeah. you know, it's one of the things I appreciated about AAR in general. And granted, it's only once a year, but so how how do you see that? And especially with, you know, there's a lot of talk about it. I ain't gonna I don't trust no no vaccine and oh man, you know, they that in combined combination with five G they're going to control your mind and stuff. How, what, what are some things that you, you think about when, when it comes to that and just being together, especially with differences? Sorry, that was a long question. Well, yeah, I mean, well, when, first, when I think about the vaccine, I, 
you know, there are lots of problems with the vaccine. You know, Moderna is selling this vaccine, um, well, with with Trump, um, three times the cost of other vaccines. So, you know, we really need to be asking our questions. Why is big pharma, why is the government, this administration right now, um, stewarding this kind of access, which is limited to common people? Yeah. Um, that That's the first thing. The second thing is, um, you know, these vaccines have had a trial with a very small number of people. And so they may have a 94% or 95% effect, efficacy rate. But when you begin to increase that pool, you might see that efficacy rate drop to like 80%. Hmm. So I don't know if we're, if we're really that close to a vaccine for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we have to think about these things. We have to think about how, you know, vaccines take years to develop. And, you know, you can't, you can't rush science. You can't rush um, a vaccine. And, and in the midst of that, we are all clamoring to be together. I yeah. mean, I I miss AAR. I miss things like Wild Goose. I miss being able to hop on an airplane and fly to Chicago for a weekend. You know, I miss those things. Um, but th- the question that I have for us is, what kind of humana do we want to be? Mm-hmm. Do we want do we want to be a kind of humanity that hoards and accelerates toxic behavior or toxic politics? Or do we want to actually steward a more generous humanity, a more generous democracy that that has a vision for a healthy cultural body? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I think those are right. Those are those are big things. I mean, and I and yes, I love what you said. It's like, yeah, being able to, to to hop on a plane or, you know, just to or just even to go down the street and just say, hey, what's up? Let's, let's have a barbecue or something. Right. Right. Um, right. And I, I find that oftentimes, you know, when we think about it, I, I saw this posting the other day. I, I'm going to paraphrase it, but it was talking about how you know, basically essential workers, we've, you know, we come to seeing that, you know, during the pandemic that they don't get paid enough, you know, they're essential, they're key, but they don't get paid enough. They're often the ones, you know, you think about the people delivering packages and how that, you know, Bezos has become a gozillionaire, (laughs) even more rich, right? right? As a result of this, because we all have to use some sort of Mail and I mean, I know even the other day I was like, I had to order my deodorant just online because I was like, well, I don't know. They doing all these shut in things here in Illinois. Um, I, I get frustrated, I think, with the increasing divide between the haves and the have nots. And I, they, I was mentioning this the other day on the show about how, you know, even with increases in, um, you know, uh, what is it? Uh minimum wage. I mean, you got so many things going up. I mean, I think about even streaming services, right? It's like HBO Max is now saying 
or Warner Brothers was like, oh, we got exclude, you know, we're going to give exclusively all our releases to HBO Max. And, right. uh, you know, and then you've got all these kind of tiers. It's like, yeah, you can get the basic, but premium. Right. <laughs> Just like, wait a minute. Um, And again, as we look at the future, what does that mean? Like you said, this, this accumulation, it's like, Black Friday, when we when it's Black Friday, just it's like every day, like just keep buying, 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 like what the deal. And so, ah, mercy. How have you negotiated your own humanity in in this in this time? I mean, and I guess the other question is, is just, you know, how given that I know you're a public theologian, how is that, you know, how has this, you know, pandemic impacted, affected you and really the work that you do? Well, I mean, everything is online. And so I sit at a computer all day. Um, I'm not with people. I'm not, I don't get to feel the energy of people, which I really love when I'm giving a talk, you know, but, but it's made me slow down in a way that actually helps me come into myself. Hmm. And, and if anything, this pandemic is really begging us to pay attention to ourselves because if we are not connected to ourselves, if we are not grounded in who we are, then we cannot steward the kind of public social healing that is required. And so I have taken this opportunity to really root into who I am and I've started a new book on embodiment and democracy hmm. and, and that manuscript is due very soon. All right. All right. <laughs> um, but, but I, I have managed to pivot everything online and I have managed to um, continue to use my platform to influence and continue to do sort of public scholar activist work. Um, and, and, you know, I use my social media platforms, uh, Instagram and Twitter in particular as my public classroom to, to just teach hmm. and, and, and at a pace and to be in conversation with people at a pace where people can really root into themselves. Yeah. Uh, that's how I've used this time. Uh, it's, it's been, um, it's been a gift and it's also, you know, the hustle has changed, you know, like how, how do you, well, you know, how does anybody get a gig these days? And, and, um, you know, just stewarding relationships is how I like to do it. And, and, and really root into those relationships and, you know, traveling all the time hasn't really allowed me to do that, but being at home, being with myself, that has helped me steward relationships in a sustainable way. And I think that will carry on into the future. I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, I, yeah, I, and, and I, I'm, I've heard from a lot of folks who, you know, they who are public and who are dealing with 
you know, they, you know, they're, they are on the road a lot and, you know, the pandemic has obviously slowed a lot of different things down. So it's like, man, I gosh, I, that, yeah, there's, there's a lot to be said there. Um, and I mean, and, and well, let me ask you this is how, and what are some of the ways, I mean, it, cause I, I talked to folks who, you know, who are interested in doing stuff like this and Lord knows I've tried to, I, if I had to think about going back and, and, you know, cause right now I'm, I, you know, I'm tethered to an institution. So there's pros and cons to that. I mean, there's pros and cons right. in life, but right. uh, you know, so there's, there's certain things. And even with tenure and, and all that, I mean, it's still a private Christian organization. So I have to, it, there's, there's still a, a level of things that I have to be careful of what I say, especially in this contentious era. Right. So, right. right, right. <laughs> you know, in fact, when you, when you came, a lot of folks don't know. I mean, Dr. Robin showed up to, uh, well online, of course, uh, to, to our school. And I was so thankful that you came and gave that talk about, you know, trans being trans one one and, I immediately saw in the, 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 not in the chat, but just, you know, all the people who were listed, I won't mention any names, but there were a few people in there from my organization who I know are just vehemently opposed to anything that is outside of the binary of anything, sexuality, uh, you, you know, gender, so I was hoping, first of all, I mean, I had to go midway through and then I, you know, then I came back. So I was hoping, you know, no one gave me any, any shit about that or anything. Cause I was, that's what I was, I was monitoring the chats. I was like, all right, these niggas better not be talking any smack right. up in here. Not, and not that you couldn't handle yourself. I'm just simply saying, I'm just like, oh my gosh. Um, but what, what is some of the, the, I don't even say, say advice, but consejos, you know, say as my grandmother yeah. used to say that you would say to somebody who's like, man, you know, I'm trying to, you know, bust out and, and do my own thing. Like, how do you market yourself in a sea? It feels like everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people want to be entrepreneurs in, in, in some sense and market themselves and just try to navigate the maze and the, in, in the congested field that is social media. How do you, how do you do some of that stuff? Well, I, I mean, I first want to say, for me, this work is about call and vocation. Okay. And, and I, you know, I have been doing public speaking since I was in high school. And, and so this is not just something that, that I decided to pick up one day. Um, you know, like we have to pay attention to our gifts and graces and what, what is our vocation in the world? What, what are the habits that support that vocation? Um, I know a lot of people don't want to be working for the man. I get it. Um, but, but what are your gifts? You know, what is your call in life? Um, you know, where, where, where does your voice, where's your voice most needed? I, I see a lot of people trying to be public figures and the one piece of advice um, I would give is don't try to be a public figure. Like mm. I never tried to be a public figure. I, I didn't try to have a platform. I just was faithful in the small things. Mm. And, and, and what I did was I tweeted every day and I, and I tweeted provocative things and that garnered attention. And so, so we, I, I say that to say we have to pay attention to our call and vocation. What are our gifts? 
where 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 do we want to spend our time? I want to spend my time stewarding knowledge production. I want to spend my time translating theory to action. You see, I mm. I see myself as a as a, an engaged scholar, as a public scholar who whose classroom is the public square, not one specific institution. So, you know, I have spent a lot of time thinking about how do I do this work? I don't do any marketing. I, I do have a website, but I don't do any marketing. I don't, I don't do any, um, anything that like referral service or anything like that. If I can't do something, I always send a name back of three people who I think would be better at, at this than mm. me. Um, and, and we really need to be amplifying people. I love to amplify folks and, and do that on the regular. And, and it's really about being community with one another. But, but when we try to be the crab that crawls its way out of the bucket, Mm-hmm. That is that is when we um, b- when we assimilate into the competitiveness that is this capitalist society. Right, right. And I, I ooh, there's a lot there because I think right that's the and that's where I that's where I've I I, I struggle with because it's like it, the machine that is also the consumer part of evangelical theology. Right, it's like buy this buy that again that premium if you want the premium package you know get this i mean and i think about it even as an author myself trying to sell books um right right there's a sense of that okay well, i gotta i gotta market this i gotta mar- that's 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 unique i appreciate that perspective because i think i know for me i've always in just in my own personal development um you know growing up as an only afro-latino in an all-white you know, environment in, in, in Texas. Um, it was, it was frustrating. There was, I didn't even know the words to it, but it was essentially FOMO. And then it was like a, a, a real dysfunctional FOMO. Cause I, you know, no one would invite me to stuff. So I'd be like, well, wait, how come y'all doing this? How come? So there's always a sense that I want to prove things more and more and more. So I have to always be careful of that, how that seeps its way into my own professional career, even as an adult. Right. 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 <laughs> The work continues, my friend. That's it. That is it. Oh my gosh. Um, you've uh, you've posted uh, a lot, and I'm asking because, in, in, again, for those listening, I will will give you Dr. Robin's uh, Instagram account because you have not following them. You got to. Um, you've talked a lot about just racism. I love the posts that you put in. You you talk about moving. You got pictures of a kitty. You've got pictures of relationships. How, and this is something that you've brought up, so if you don't feel comfortable with anything, but you how have you re- navigated some of the things on relationships, interpersonal relationships, uh, emotional relationships, just partners? You've, you've said some great things online in regards uh, to that, and I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just curious how that may play out. Um, yeah. Well, well I, I mean, I have a wonderful partner, um, and they, you know, not only give me the space that I need to do my work, but, and they're doing their own work, their own public work as well in a very different way than me. But, you know, we, we're really great friends and, 
and my partner um, is super supportive of this work that I'm doing. And so, uh, I, you know, I have, I feel like I won the lottery. You know, she's the love of my life. And, um, you know, as you can imagine, I, I get a lot of messages from a lot of different people. Um, yeah. Some, some hate mail. Um, and, and, and my partner just understands that's part of my work that, mm. you know, part, part of my vocation as a public theologian is to provide pastoral care to people is to, um, be a chaplain online. Um, you know, a digital pastor, if you will. Mm. And, and, um, you know, I, there's some things I just can't tell my partner because I've asked to, to be kept in confidence. Yeah. And, and, um, and my partner respects that. And, uh, we have an orientation to the world where, um, we believe that we should be open to the world. Um, and we should be in communication with the world. Um, but, you know, our connection is um, truly wonderful. And, you know, it's the best thing that could have happened to me. And, and it works. Um, I, I know, you know, for some people that might not work, but um, I've just got, I've just got a partner who supports my vocation and my work and, and is, um, I don't know, man, there for the ride, you know? Yeah, no, that's real. No, I appreciate that. And I, and, and I appreciate your openness and transparency online. There was one post that got me, um, you posted this, I believe it was on August 23rd, 22nd, I believe it was on your Instagram and, I won't read the whole thing, but it is it's deep because this is something that I've I've struggled with as as well. And I don't I don't I haven't had the I I haven't do I'll just be honest, I haven't had the guts to just post it. So I appreciate what you're doing. You said part of my work in becoming embodied is learning how to be in my body. It's harder than I imagined. And part of being in my body is naming that I am fat. I was on medicine for 10 years where I gained a lot of weight, but I've also lived a life where trauma has gripped me in real ways. It took me a long time for me to name myself as fat. My dad called me fat after I had brain surgery, and that was a deep wound that I've still not healed. Being called fat hurt me. I thought it was bad, so I never called myself fat. Instead, I called myself robust. And you have some other stuff, but I thought that was interesting because I know for me, and I haven't shared this really with anybody outside of just my family and just, you know, my own partner, um, but I, I have. I've struggled with my own just body image in general. It's like... I had a growth spurt when I was a kid. And so I shot up above. So again, being black and a little Afro and being right. tall was always feeling awkward. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have the stereotypical black gene of, you know, everybody thought when I played basketball in middle school that I could dunk and this was during the Jordan era. So everybody thought I was either Michael Jordan or magic Johnson. And they were like, well, how come yeah. you can't jump? So there was this always been this awkwardness and now I've struggled with that. And so how, one, where did you get to this the place and space to, to say something like that, in particular on a public platform? And two, how do you continue to work on those areas like that? Yeah. Um, you know, I I let me just let me just talk about 
um, that post for a minute. Please. Um, you know, part of being a public scholar, a public theologian, however you want to call me, um, part of that is stewarding honesty and transparency. Hmm. Um, remember what I said in the very beginning that a lot of public figures are honest about the things that they see, but never honest about themselves. Mm-hmm. And and I I am trying to steward a narrative about myself that um, that that speaks to the honesty of my experience right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that when we when we are honest with ourselves, we can be honest with others. And that is what that post was about. It was about, you know, my, my partner is a former dancer and, you know, probably weighs 90 pounds dripping wet. Hmm. And so there's a real body disparity between us. Um, she's very muscular and slender and I am not. And even though I eat well and I exercise, you know, I can't lose weight. You know, I don't know why that is, but my body is hanging on to the weight. And, you know, part of coming into myself this year has been, um, in part, being honest about um, how I understand my body. And, and I think that, you know, gosh, if we can just be gentle with ourselves and really steward connection with ourselves, I think we will see that we can become a different people. Now, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's just what came to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, I love that. I mean, cause it's something that I, that, and this is what I've appreciated about the, my LGBTQ2 fan. LGBTQ fam is is the ability to talk about and engage in these areas that I do not find in the expressive and deep and profound ways that I do find in this community and especially not in the hetero community. I mean, there's and there's usually such a binary sense that men are supposed particularly and, and, and let me throw the intersections on it. Right. Black men are supposed to look a certain way. Right. I'm right. Um, I'm supposed to look chiseled and and, you know, and then when you think of start thinking about you know, uh, with, you know, as a male endowed, you should have this and you should have that. And how come you don't have more tattoos and, you know, all these things. Right. And especially being on a predominantly white campus, although that is quickly changing. Our student body is, is really becoming more, especially Latinx, they're becoming a lot more uh, Latinx. But I will say that, you know, there is a fetishization of bodies of color, you know, particularly male bodies yeah. of color that happens on yeah. campuses like that. And so, yeah. whoo, Doc, I, I have, again, appreciated beyond words just the, the work that you do because it's a lot of times it's just who's going to be the first one to cross the line because you crossing that line just gives the space for others to be like, yo, I was feeling the same way. I was thinking the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Man, that's what I'm just trying to build a better world, man, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know. And that and I think that's a great example of that. I mean, that that is another positive and great use of social media and using your platform. Um, 
I know our time is nigh and, and I've appreciated just this entire conversation. What can you give us a little preview about this book that you're working on? I mean, obviously, when when it, when it drops, we're going to have to get you back on. But yeah. um, I'd be curious, like, you know, is there any any little insights, nuggets you can drop now to tease us? Well, you know, it's a book uh, around embodiment and democracy. And and the idea is that embodiment can actually give us a vision for a healthy democracy. Mm. And what I mean by that is when we come to understand ourselves and move from the truest place in ourselves, it shifts how we relate with others. And when we begin to shift those interpersonal relationships, it spreads like wildfire and it, and, and it can shift our cultural body mm. and that can give us a vision for a, a democracy that works for people. And so the, the sort of point is when, when we steward healthy relationships with our bodies, we end up stewarding a better democracy. Hmm. I like that. I like that. I love that. In fact, well, I'll definitely be uh, one of the first in line to, excuse me, to pick that up because I think that is that again, that's something that is not talked about um, enough. Right. 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 Um, you know, one of the series that, uh, you know, as, as, as a family, it's, it's been difficult to find uh, a television shows that we can all agree on. It's like, it may be too sci-fi for my partner, or it may be too, you know, just too eighties humor for my daughter and, you know, she don't get it. And, and, you know, or it may just be too YouTube ish for me. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. So we kind of landed on if, of all things, Grey's anatomy. Um, Oh, okay. Which, <laughs> which I've appreciated the storylines. Like there's some very complex storylines and I appreciate the nuances that they talk about in relationships. I think one of my frustrations with the show is of course, a body type, of everybody on the show, of almost everybody uh, on the show, uh, is is usually one body type, and of course, uh, just the fluidity with which people talk about having sex, and I mean, cause which is, which is another area that you know that I'm trying to explore about, you know, all the nuances that go in with you know the actual act of sex, like right, I mean, because it's always just seen on television, and, and I bring up television and media because, as you know, Doc, it's such a powerful reinforcer of social norms and you know and the stereotypes the mental tapes that we get uh stuck with and so that's been one of my kind of frustrations over and over and over that that, that kind of keeps just keep you know popping up and stuff and so right <sighs> yes yes um besides the book i know you got that and going on what are some of the things you're working on where can folks find you connect with you uh bring you out probably virtually but you know bring you out for that keynote yeah, I'm happy to do a talk. I'm happy to be with your community. Um, we're making a big announcement this week about um, about an award that I've received and um, and a list that I've been named. So that's that's coming out. Um, and people can find me online at irobin. That's the letter I R O B Y N. And I, I run a, a podcast with my co-host, Reverend Anna Galladay, called the Activist Theology Podcast, which you have been on, Doc. Yes, yes. And, and um, you know, I, I run a, a small nonprofit called the Activist Theology Project dedicated to social healing. Mm. 
And um, yeah, I'm happy to be in conversation with folks. My DMs are open and I always love being on your show, Doug. Well, I appreciate you coming on and responding. I know, you know, this is, again, as we head into the holiday season and whatnot, um, I just had such a great time being, you know, you having you invite me to your show. I, you know, I appreciated that. And for those listening, I'll put the link uh, in the show notes at whitehodgepodcast.com. Of course, you can always go there and uh, click on those and find all the show notes there, uh, along with the links uh, to Dr. Robbins, uh, all their all their amazing work that they're doing out there in, in the world today. Um, one last question as we uh, as we head out here. Um, thoughts for the new year, 2021. Mm. <laughs> Be gentle with yourself. Mm. Mm. Ooh. That's a good word. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good word. I like that. I like that. Be gentle with yourself. Whew. Thanks, Doc. I appreciate you and uh, the work that you're doing. Uh, I have to just thank you just even publicly just for what you've done, even just for my own education and your patience and grace. Uh, so thank you uh, and uh, blessings uh, for what. For, thank you. For whatever that's worth, blessings to you, you know, and the work that you are doing. Thank you. It's good to be here.